This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. At 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Gordon Damer, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Along with Mr. Ty and Brian the Good Vibes, we're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN. And let's say good evening to the aforementioned Gordon Damer. Hello, Gordon. Larry, another jam-packed show tonight, man. We, it seems like every single day there's just more and more stuff to talk about. I know, and this morning while you were doing the great work updating us during uh, K, J. Will, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin and also Greeny, the Mets' Steve Cohen made a statement. And, Gordon, we talked about it last night. I will give him credit. He was swift and to the point, and the first thing he did this morning is fire Jared Porter. Well, you know, when I woke up, you know, we wrapped up the show. I think we were both in agreement last night that when you read the story, and we didn't get to really read the story because it came out while we were on the air, but just perusing the story. You didn't even need to go a real deep dive into the story to know that it was only a matter of time before this move came. You know, it was, not, it was a matter of when, not if. So when I woke up this morning, the first thing I, you know, I checked Twitter, hasn't happened yet. And it hadn't at that point. I think it was about uh, 7.20 when I woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. So by the time I, I got the coffee and I walked downstairs and, you know, we're getting ready to, you know, do some updates, uh, the news came. So it, it did not take a, you know, it, it was expected. It, you knew it was going to come at some point today, and the Mets got to jump on it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was the only move to make. No question about it. And I applaud them being quickly and decisive. And here's the thing. And listen, we got a ton of audio on it. We want to get your thoughts as well at 1-800-919-3776. Gordon, let's begin with Jeff Passam. He was on the Michael K. show today. And one of the issues as you read the story is that this story was told to uh, ESPN earlier, but the, the uh, victim did not want it published at the time. So today, Jeff Passam was asked if you sat on the story. We have duties as journalists to protect our sources and to look after the people who give us the stories that we get to tell. It is their story. It is not ours. And the idea that we have been sitting on this because this woman who went through a horrendous thing with somebody in a position of power and ended up having to move back to her country and get out of journalism because of it. The idea that she wasn't ready at that time is perfectly rational and normal and the type of response that I think any of us could go through she wasn't ready the story waits for when the person whose it is is ready to tell it and so she waited and she left the industry where she was worried she was going to have backlash and potentially have her job harmed and she saw jared porter's rise to general manager of the new york mets putting him in a position of great power and great authority and thought to herself this man who has his dream job ended up facilitating me losing my dream job. And I didn't do anything. And so the idea that this story four and a half years later after this incident happened has any less resonance, has any less importance, and has any less right to be told, anybody who thinks that needs to shut up. You know what's so interesting about that, Gordon, is that and you've seen some of the responses uh, that have been on Twitter. And it's, it's just amazing, but... Gordon, we've, we've seen issues and situations like this, unfortunately, previously. And we just think that people just feel comfortable just going out and just, listen, this is what happened to me and whatnot. There's, there's a fear of backlash. There's the fear of you asked for it. I was covering boxing at the time of the rape situation with Mike Tyson in the 90s. And that was the situation and some of the backlash that the young lady who, you know, issued these charges against Mike was said the first thing was, well, what is she doing in his room at some at two in the morning and all these other issues? And the bottom line in that, and of course none of us really knows what happened, Gordon, because we're not there. Only two people were there really know what happened. Even though eventually, you know, in the court of law it was proven that he did. But the bottom line is, you know, you have to have the ability, the strength to feel confident and comfortable that you're going through this. It's not easy to be out there when, when you've gone through the initial issue of this, the initial victimization of this, and then to be victimized again for coming forward. What drove me nuts over the course of the day as this story unfolded was the amount of people either I heard say or people tweet 
Well, why did she wait until the, the why? Why did that? Why was ESPN sitting on it? It says it right in the story. If you have, if, if this story is something that resonates with you, right? So much so that you have to call the radio station or tweet or, or, or send out, you know, messages, however you want to do it. At least read the story. It says, I think it says it in like the third paragraph of the reason behind why the story was not reported at the time and why the woman feels now compelled to come forward with this story. So it's right there for you to read. But the amount of people, oh, why, why didn't they say this then? Why didn't they bring this up? This happened in 2016, 2017. What? It's right there in the story. And, and as soon as you read the story, you say, okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeff Passan, once again, was on the Michael K. Show. Just to follow up your thoughts, Gordon, was asked, did Porter tell you not to write the story? He didn't beg me not to write it. I think he understood mid- midway through the call that, you know, he asked, is there going to be a story written? And I said yes. And at first, when we were talking, he acknowledged texting with the woman. He initially said that he hadn't sent pictures. But when I told him that the texts that we obtained showed selfies as well as other pictures that were more explicit, he said that he had sent the selfies, but that the explicit ones were not of him. So uh, that was uh, an acknowledgement of what was going on. I think I think once he recognized that we had the texts and that that was going to go into a story, I think he understood what the fallout was going to look like. And I think he understood that something like this is awfully difficult to get around and that, that he had made a grave mistake. Now, Gordon, this is this app. He's had several jobs since this allegedly happened, since this happened. So. The question to Jeff Passan was, did the Cubs know? That is still up for question. From our reporting, we know that three people knew about these messages. Jared Porter was one, the woman was the other, and a Cubs employee at the time who was from the same country that she was, was the third. And I spoke with him yesterday, and he talked about trying to be essentially a go-between, how he was trying to bring them together so there could be some sort of amicable resolution. I asked him if he told anybody else with the Cubs. He said no. I asked him if he thought anyone else with the Cubs knew. He said no. So as far as our reporting goes to this point, it begins and ends there. And Sandy Alderson today, his media briefing, said essentially the same thing, that he didn't think any of Porter's previous employers knew about this. Which means, Gordon, that uh, and Sandy mentioned it in his press conference, and we'll air some of Sandy's comments a little later, that uh, they have to improve their vetting. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I know that you know that when stories come out like this, uh, I do feel like there is a feeding frenzy of people who feel the need to make it some way about them and to show how virtuous they are. I don't really know how the – if your opinion is the Mets should have known, I'm not really sure how you can come to that conclusion, right? Like, if, if Jeff Passens to be believed – only three people knew about this incident and nobody within the Cubs organization knew about it. Uh, you know, you can say that they should have, I mean, how are they going to find this out without finding who this woman was? And this woman is no longer in the industry as a result of this. I don't know how the Mets really should have known about this. I think the Mets handled it the best way. It's a bad situation. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough position to find yourself in as an organization, I'm sure. But they handled it about as quickly as you can, right? They came out with the statement last night that they were still kind of finding out the details. As soon as they really, I'm sure, read the story, they knew what had to happen, and they waited until, you know, 7 o'clock this morning to do so. They did, and like I said earlier, they reacted quickly, and, and that was the best thing to do. But the other thing, Gordon, that I think we really have to understand is that, you know, when we say sports is a microcosm of society, in a lot of cases it is. Yeah. And let's just not think that this only happens in sports. There, This happens, unfortunately, in far too many offices and far too many companies in this, in this world that we would like to think of. And it's just, it's a mindset that needs to change. Yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, yeah. I mean, um, the only thing I will say about the Mets should have known thing is if it does turn out, and I would not be surprised if we're going to see more of these kind of stories over the next, you know, six months or so. Uh, you know, now that, that, that people, you know, kind of know that this is going on and, and maybe 
this will allow people who have had this happen to them feel strong enough to come forward and say, hey, wait a second, this has also happened to me. The only way I would say that the Mets should have known if it turns out that those stories that come out over the next six months or whatever, if more and more of them are involving Jared Porter, mm. if this was not just an insulated, uh, isolated incident with this one woman, uh, if that turns out to be the case and this was kind of an open secret or maybe not open secret, but it was known if you did the digging, that's the only way I think the Mets should have known or would have been able to find out about this before hiring the guy. I agree. I agree. And this, Gordon, is coming off uh, a situation that we had with the Washington football team last year and all the things that were going on there. And so, once again, it's it's nothing that – it's not just sports-related. It's, it's, it, it's blasted on the pages when it happens in sports because of the nature of usually what it involves and involves either a prominent player or somebody in the front office or something of that nature. So it's splashed on, on the front pages, on the Internet – on, on your smartphone, wherever. But companies have this issue also. I mean, Gordon, just think of how many times we in, in broadcasting here have had to take the harassment courses uh, mm-hmm. online to make yep. sure that, you know, make, making people feel comfortable. What makes what makes people feel comfortable? What makes them feel uncomfortable? And it's it's, it's sexual harassment. It's, it's different personalities, different people, different choices. There's a number of things that we are trying to become sensitive to. And Gordon, it's just kind of frustrating that despite all that is being done, a lot of people just aren't getting it. Yeah, and not getting it to such a degree. I mean, like there's, you know, sometimes stories pop up and there's gray area or, you know, oh, I could see how maybe this was a misinter... I mean, the, the amount of text messages, the things that were involved in the text messages, you shouldn't need a course. You shouldn't need your, 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 your business to provide you with a roadmap that this is not something that should be done. So, yeah, it, it's almost, you know, as someone who sits through these things... And maybe it's because I'm selfish as an individual and think the world revolves around me. I'm sitting there half the time saying, who would need these things, right? Yeah, who would exactly. need to know these type of things? Doesn't everybody know these type of things? Well, the last 24 hours has proven not everybody knows these kind of things. It is so true when you, because I'm thinking the same thing. Like, you mean we have to go through this? Like, like, <laughs> like, right. like, and, and, and it's, and it's, it's, it's frustrating to just think like, what the, why am I taking this? Obviously, I get it. Somebody else needs to really be taking this thing. Cause, cause, and then when you look at his thing, you know, you look at his situation, Gordon, and as you mentioned, clearly there's something else going on. I mean, when you have the amount of text and no response to text that he had in this story, th- there's something going on there. There's really something going on. Yeah, and it would, it would lead me to believe. And look, maybe these things happen to other people. And maybe those people will not feel comfortable coming forward. I don't know. But it does seem hard to believe that this was just an isolated incident that just he extended it this far. And this was the only time that he extended it this far. Right. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, you know, you would think that, you know, if it was 10 text messages without a response or something like that, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, if this was the first and only time you would kind of read the, the writing on the wall, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to get into his, inside his head. So, mm-hmm. um, because I, I can't imagine that, you know, as soon as someone, as soon as you're sitting there doing this, you have to realize what am I doing? Yeah. You know, what, what am I doing here? Exactly. I mean, the times who co-wrote the article with our Jeff Passan uh, was asked about working as a woman in this industry. Here's what she had to say. I think it's important that we're talking about a reporter here who is disempowered in a number of ways, one of which, and this is very important to the story, spoke English as a second language and didn't have a support network in the United States. And I think that power dynamic is incredibly important to this. But also, a reporter's job is to interface with players and staff and doing that job naturally puts you in a submissive position where you're depending on those people to help you and to part you know to act in a professional capacity that's power they have power over reporters and what we're talking about thus is not just you know harassment or 
people say it's creepy or even some people are making jokes about it. It's abuse of power. I don't know how people don't get that. And I'm more of an analyst now than a reporter. And so when people ask me, is it difficult with your gender? I say, well, it's, it's less for me about reporting anymore and more just about backlash or commentary. But for a reporter, being able to interview people and have normal conversations with sources and feel that you don't have to compromise yourself in any way, it's everything. And so I guess just going forward, I hope that people who read this story and hear it recognize the importance of treating not just everyone with respect, but especially people you have power over. Gordon, the thing that struck me about uh, the victim and is written on numerous occasions in the story was that she was so traumatized that when she was at the ballpark, she felt like she had to hide from him. Of course. Of course she would, right? Here's this 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 psycho who's texting you at all hours of the day and night and and you know and what he's texting as well. Of course it would make you feel uncomfortable. It's just, it's, it, it, that, How would she feel any other way? That that is that is the height of being a victim, being victimized. That is the yeah. that you can't feel comfortable doing your job, that you can't feel comfortable in in a place, Gordon, where this is not exactly a small room. This is a ballpark. <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. this. This is a a ballpark with forty, fifty thousand fans in there, and you still feel like I, 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 I he's around somewhere. He's lurking. I just can't. I just can't deal with this. That's why it was so. It was great when when the reporters asked Mina, "Was it hard for the victim to tell this story?" Well, it was difficult for her to tell it. I mean, I think there's a reason why it took years. This person didn't have anything to gain, only to lose from this being out right. there, and it's why you know she requested anonymity in, in multiple ways, and that was very important to me in, in reporting this. But I think there's sometimes this misperception when it comes to stories about sexual harassment or assault that the victim has some sort of, I guess, benefit or something, mm. and that's just so far from the truth. She's not happy. I mean, this is not a happy day for her, but she felt it was important to share, and she you know, felt it was important from the beginning and uh, had the, the bravery to do so. And Gordon, to leave the business, to leave the business, that's how bad this was. Well, well, think about it, right? Like mm. if you are even in a, a normal work environment, not even in sports, if you have a disagreement with somebody who you work in close quarters with and you have an awkward situation going on, just an awkward, just a, a regular awkward situation. When you go back to that place and you're going to, you know, you're going to have some sort of interaction with that person, it leaves you, you know, feeling uncomfortable. And that's not, that's not even adding into the level of this is a position of power, right? This a person that you're having this disagreement with has a position of power. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you can completely understand how someone would feel that way as, uh, you know, you know, getting into the business and dealing with this in a firsthand and then having to, to go back to where on a regular basis, not just a one-time thing, on a regular basis, day in and day out, right, a baseball season, where you, you know that this is something that you have to constantly be on guard about. At Hardest to ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Gordon, let's go to the phones. Spike, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. What's up, Spike? Good evening. Thanks for getting me on. I know it's a quick show. I have one comment on Mr. Porter, and I told the boys early this morning, and I got a mixed reaction. In 2007 or eight, I believe the smartphone first came out, give or take, where you had you know, all this information in your pocket. And I think the proliferation, at least the knowledge of these events in all workplaces, you're right, Gordon, it's not just sports, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, it's easier now to do it. And it's, it disgusts me having daughters and granddaughters. It, it just disgusts me uh, that it's done. I'm glad they took quick action, but I, <laughs> I always think how many more didn't get caught, and it just on both sides it happens the other way, very small percentage, but mostly happens to women, but it does happen to men occasionally. It's just a disgusting thing. You have a daughter, Gordon, Larry, you have children. It's sad. It's really sad, and I think the smart 
the phone exacerbated a lot of this activity, and I hope and pray that um, no more of these issues come to the surface, but I'd be remiss to say I'm right on that. I, I just think it's a matter of time. And one quick comment on the sports. I couldn't call last night, uh, and I got the recap from my nephew this morning. We spoke, uh, checking up on him. The Knicks, I got to tell you, Gordon, I don't think it's going to be uh, more than a 20-25 win season, but there's some hope there. I just want to get both of your feedback, and I'll hang up and listen to the show. And thanks again, guys. All right, Spike. Thanks for checking in. Look, uh, the team has trouble scoring, so you're right. There's going to be some – they're not going to win a whole lot of games. They might win a couple more games than you expect. But the bottom line here is for Gordon to yet let the young people play, get experience, and see where you are at the end of the year. You want to see quickly continue to improve. He showed you some signs. It's about consistency. Toppin, listen, I, I hope he remains healthy the rest of the year so he can get better. And in some ways, Gordon, it would be nice if they got really good and, and you were happy with what you saw. And then going into next year, when you've got the final year of Julius Randle's contract, you make a decision whether you you add some more players in the draft, whether you feel you can move on, whether you add another player in place of him, whether you know you have more options. But for this year, it's really about letting the kids play and get better. Yeah, I hope that that remains the case. You know, it's a long season, and I just and I agree. I agree with you. That should be the course of action, right? First year of a rebuild, and let's see. You know, let's see quickly play. Let's get Toppin healthy and let him get out there and play as much as he can. And 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 even for 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 Barrett, you know, last year was such a strange year for his rookie year. You still are finding out about him. So I hope that's the case. I'm just a little worried that Tom Thibodeau's character is to grind every win out and that when the next disgruntled superstar becomes available, I don't know who it's going to be, but if there's a, an avenue to make a leap from uh, you know, a 27-win team to a 42-win team, uh, that they will take that that leap, no matter pretty much who it is. I, I don't. I think it's all well and good for Tom to be about the kids right now. I just wonder how long that shelf life will have for him. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Gordon, because you know he he he's dealing with this. He wanted uh, uh, Chris Paul. He wanted you mm-hmm. know, a couple more veterans mm-hmm. to win on this team. His thing is, I'm. I'll do the rebuilding thing because that's the way it turned out, but he's about winning and getting to the postseason, which, listen, is great because that's what you want eventually. It's just you're hoping that he doesn't push the timetable the way it is. <laughs> Let's see these young kids grow, okay? Let's see what they can do. Give them the playing time. So while he's wearing them out, <laughs> Gordon, as the numbers climb, I don't mind the numbers climbing for the young players. Because that's good. That that the more experience they have on the court, the better. The more they see, the better. The more they're involved in late games and they understand how that works and how to win games and, and do the necessary things, the little things that make a difference, great. But you're right. When they have to make that decision, when it comes to, hey, look, we overachieved. We won thirty games this year. Okay, we're all we we get another player, that makes us another ten games. Okay, you know what to do. We got the guy to do that. That's when I. You're right. That's when it could be an issue. Yeah, yeah. But look, they get the road trip coming up. Uh, you know, five games. I think it is right away mm-hmm. from home. So yep. uh, we'll see what they look like when they come back. You know, it's been a, such a weird year that they got off to that start where you're like, wow, look at this. They're five and three, and then they lose the five in a row, and then you're thinking, all right, this is where you know might go south, and then you beat Boston, you beat Orlando. So who knows? It's nice to be able to watch them and actually enjoy them for a change, but uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns over the course of this year in terms of you know maybe talent-wise. That uh, I don't know, you know, if, if this team is sitting at uh, you know 15 wins at, at some point, you know, and, and 25 losses, I don't know if Tom's patience is going to be that long. Yeah, I agree with you. And but for me, Gordon, I have a low bar. I'm able to sit through a complete game this year. That's a yeah. good thing. <laughs> yeah. And actually be entertained. You're not sitting yeah. there like forced to watch it like you're like, oh my gosh, this 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 again, you know? Yep. Yep. This this has been okay. It's been okay. Because you got young kids. And you always want to see what the young kids are gonna do. You know, you that's always that lure to you. That's the best part of it. Uh let's go to Robin Lennox. Hey Rob, you're next on ninety eight seven ESPN New York. Hey Larry, how are you? Hey Gordon, how are you? 
Nice hey, to talk to you guys. On? Well, I just I wanted to talk about the the Broadway blue shirts for a second, and then also about the Knicks since you guys were on the subject. Um, you know, I don't really know, Larry, if this team's a playoff team. I mean, tonight they had 50 shots. I'll give uh, Mackenzie Blackwood a lot of credit for his efforts and goal. But when I look at the Ranger team, I say, well, it's three games in. It's a young team. We know who three guys are. We know who Panarin is. We know who Zibanejad is. We know who Kreider is. We know pretty much who Ryan Strom is. But we don't know who a lot of these kids are. Now, Jacob Troop is making a lot of money. Tonight he didn't have a very good game. and I, I, I don't think he's been that great since they got him, quite frankly. I don't think he was that great last year. Would you move a guy like Truba with a big contract and continue to move with young players or move a guy like a Strom who's a veteran guy? You know, it's funny. They need veterans, but it's not the veterans they really need, I don't think. Like, to me, they need a, they need a line like a Sezikis type of line like the Islanders have where they grind below the goal line and play a little bit more physical. So it's going to be interesting to see where John Davidson and Jeff Gordon goes for is tweaking this team to be a little more physical because Brendan mm-hmm. Lemieux really, to me, is the only guy against Brendan. Also, I wanted to mention about the Knicks. Um, you know, you're right about it's the young players in, in, in developing these guys, but I'm wondering if there is a guy out there next year, a free agent guy, who, who they can bring in, who Leon Rose thinks he can bring into New York to really put this team to where they can make the playoffs. But, you know, I'll just get your opinion on this, guys. And also, I'm glad that James Harden's on the Nets because now I can really hate the Nets. I've never <laughs> seen three such selfish guys in my entire life, and I don't care if they win an NBA championship, quite frankly. I'm proud to be a Knicks fan, even though the last championship I saw was when I was eight years old, wearing my <laughs> Knicks championship 1973 shirt and below my knees. So, anyway, Larry, always the best, man. I always think of my buddy Art Russ Jr. when I talk to you. So, God bless, man. I'll talk to you. All right, Rob. Brothers. Thanks for checking in. Uh, Gordon, let, we'll go with the Rangers first. Rob, can you give the can you give the team some time? <laughs> Rob, can you give them some time? Let's wait and see. Give us give give them give me twenty games. Let's see how they are after twenty games. Listen, you got Davidson in there. He knows hockey. If he needs to, when you get to the trade deadline to make some tweaks, he will. It's early. Give them a break. It does Gordon. feel like the level of like, oh, we got to make a move. Like, is that because the Islanders are good? Like I'm, I look, I'm the the worst person to ask on this. I am not a hockey. I, I always bring this up. I'm not a hockey fan, but it seems like the level of let's get we got to trade this guy. We got to move on from this guy. It seems like it's it's really ramped up for this early on in the season. It is, and I understand the expectations because the team is young. You got a lot of young talent on there, and you know sometimes young guys get off to slow starts. Give them a chance. It'll be okay. Uh, as far as the Knicks are concerned, you know, Gordon, it really follows up on what we were just talking about. And I do think that if they overachieve a little bit, then you will take a look at seeing who possibly you can bring in. Because, listen, you have this money sitting around. You're eventually going to have to spend it. It's hopefully they spend it on the right type player, not just any player. You have to spend it on the right type of player that you want in here to make sure that that. You know, you grow with these young people and you teach them how to win. That's the right type player you need. You don't need selfish players in here. Yeah, I I worry, you know, without knowing who that next disgruntled superstar might be, I think that the next one that they can make, the first one that they can make work, I I think that they will very likely grab that, you know, especially if it's a guard, right? Like if it's a Mm. point guard, forget it. Then that's for, for darn sure. But I think that, you know, if the Nets are going to go out and have this big season, which we all kind of expect right now, it's nice that the Knicks are overachieving right now, but if it, if the doldrums come, you know that the pressure is going to be there, either internal, external, whatever, that they have to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the patience will not be – it's great to be patient, and, uh, but when that name gets floated out there, whoever it is – I have a, a fear that they will jump. No matter, they will jump before finding out what's behind door number two. They just know something's behind door number two. They'll take door number two. I agree, and the fact that this is you, and in a way, you understand it because you want your team to be relevant. You know, whether they admit it or not, the Nets being good does not does not allow them to just be continue to be bad. <laughs> right. You know, you know that pressure is amped up, and oh, by the way, Rob. Uh, don't look now, but James Harden's passing the ball pretty good over these first couple of games that he's been with uh, with with Brooklyn. He's done a nice job passing the ball. Well, you know the thing about him, and everybody says that, oh, you know, he's not going to pass the ball. If he wanted to be the focus, he could have stayed where he was. Right? If he wanted to take every single shot and he didn't care, and all he wanted was his numbers, and it was just about him, 
he wouldn't have forced his way out of Houston. He they they would have bent over backwards to make sure that he stayed there and had you know the lay of the land like he had. So I think that he will be willing to alter his game some, and I think you've already kind of seen that. He wants to win, Gordon. He's tired of the individual efforts, and you know it's funny because when we have these discussions in, in, in talk radio, it's who's better. Who this guy's better than this guy. This guy shoots. This guy rebounds. This guy passes. This guy. But if they're real close, what is the argument that we go to? How much jewelry does he have? And so even though we could look at, everybody knows that he is a tremendous scorer. He he's proven that. Everybody knows that he can pass the ball when he wants to. Everybody knows that. His biggest issue, Gordon, has been being unable to lead his team, put them on his back in the postseason. That's where he has not performed. That's where he's not been consistent. That's where the scoring has dropped. So now he's got an opportunity with a cup with some help <laughs> to elevate and show what he can do in the postseason. And that's ultimately it's about championships. Yeah, he well, he wants to win. Well, he's going to have to do something in the game seven once in a while, you know. Exactly. And that might help. It's a, but look, you're right. I mean, the NBA is the league where stars. You ha- if you're a star in the NBA, you have to win. So, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's 31, which is not old, but the window of opportunity is going to close quicker than he thinks. So, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, they got to get it done. It's, there's no other question about it, right? They they have to get it done this year. They have to get it done this year, and. You know, if you're the Nets, you hope they get it done this year, and if not this year, definitely next year, because Gordon, both of them, all three of them, can opt out of their deals after that third year. Yeah. So well, I will say this: if they don't win this year or next, there won't be a third, mm-hmm. right? Like if if they if if they're together for the net, I mean, who knows how long they'll be together? Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> they're together for this year and next year, and don't win a title. I can't imagine that they would not both want to, you know, find someplace else to, you know, who knows where the, where things will be at that point. But I, I find it hard to believe that all three of them will remain here. Yeah, I agree. Something's and gonna I'm, change. I agree. And I'm still waiting to see uh, what other tweaks to their roster they're going to do, because down the road, they're going to have to find somebody to help take some of the minutes up front off the Andre Jordan. Well, look, they should be, you know, when buyout season, I don't know when buyout season is going to start, but whenever it does start, you'd have to think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a destination for veterans who are looking to win a ring. Absolutely. Chatting with you on a Tuesday night. Thanks for stopping by. Gordon, as you can imagine, I'm a little down. Why is that? I wanted George Springer, Gordon. On the Mets? Yes. Well, you know, I'm I'm assuming now, even though the deal, I don't believe it's official yet. He's got to still take a physical. We have already shifted into, I think, most Met fans now telling me that they didn't want George Springer. So at least you're honest. You wanted George Springer then. George you Springer. wanted George Springer now. I'm sure, though, that now the spin will start to happen with certain uh, parts of the uh, fan base that, you know what, we didn't really need George. We don't want George Springer. We don't need George Springer. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, though, to me. That George Springer is getting six years for one fifty, mm-hmm. and DJ LeMay got six years for ninety. Mm-hmm. And, and just think, he could have got well, more. You know, DJ LeMay is much older. He's one year older. Springer could have got more if DJ had asked. If DJ had gotten more, Gordon Springer would have gotten even more. Wow, that's a, that's a great deal for him, and it's uh, it's a great bargain for LeMay at six at ninety. Yeah, because I think listen. You notice that all this is, you notice that people, and we'll get to the calls in a second, you notice that everybody seemed to wait for what was happening with DJ. Yes, absolutely. And so when he came in like that, and listen, obviously, obviously he wanted to be with the Yankees because he really could have gotten more money. I mean, let's be clear about that. He wanted to be with the Yankees, and he did the Yankees a favor. Don't be surprised if somewhere along the line of those six years, if he continues to play well, there might be where we go back and then maybe restructure just a little bit. You know, maybe there's, oh, we didn't know there's, 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 you know, clauses, incentive clauses in there where he can make even more money. Another batting title. Hey, here's a couple million for that. There, there's, there, don't be surprised if they take care of him because he took care of them to allow them right now because they want to get low below the, the ta- salary tax threshold that he enabled them to still make some moves like Corey Kluber, as an example. And I think he'll, they, they will reciprocate him for his kindness a little bit down the line. 
Maybe they can take some of it off Giancarlo's contract and pay DJ. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But uh, for the Blue Jays, this is something. I mean, maybe this is an overpay on their part, right? They were in on Lindor, didn't get Lindor. They wanted LeMayhew, they didn't get LeMayhew. So this might have been really the last, you know, last chance cafe for them. So they uh, maybe they put a couple extra bucks on the on the check there, and, and mm-hmm. they get the deal done. They're going to be a scary offense, man. Yes. If the Yankees didn't need pitching before, they certainly do now. They definitely do. They definitely do. And I wanted Springer not only for his bat going, but for his glove. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, like I said, I'm an old school guy. I want a center fielder that not only can hit, can field for me. That's what I want. That's why I wanted him. Yeah, it seems like the Mets have kind of turned their – I don't know if this is just the fan base or if the actual Mets have turned their attention this way to Jackie Bradley Jr. and he can obviously yeah. pick it in center field, not, mm-hmm. not as much as the bat as, uh, as obviously right. Springer is. But uh, yeah. it seems like that's kind of the way they are, they are now kind of leaning. And after seeing six years – you know, I will say this, though, and I guess this is more the fan base than, than the actual team – Mm-hmm. But for when um, Steve Cohen came in and, and met fans, oh, they, they're getting this guy and they're getting that guy. Well, Lindor's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the Mets have been one of the more active teams this offseason. But what you thought you ordered and what you actually are going to wind up with, you know, it's not exactly George Springer in center, Lindor here, JT Real Muto, you know. Mm-hmm. Bauer on the mound. It's mouth. a nice offseason, but it's not overwhelming. Well, all we had to do, Gordon, was listen to what the man said. And he said, I'm not coming in here spending right. money like a drunken sailor. So he hasn't. <laughs> no, he has not. He has not. And but I like the moves that they've made. I think they've made good moves. I wish the Yankees would make a couple more moves. Well, maybe they will. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So. Yeah. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Buddha. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, Buddha. Do- doing good, Buddha. Hey. Listen, um, I don't mean to be critical of you guys, but um, we're talking about, and I'm not a Knicks fan at all, but you're sitting here complaining about Thibodeau and how he's going to work the team too hard. Listen here. Um, the team has to win first before you're going to get anybody to come in. His system has to show that it wins. So if he runs R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson into the ground, it really doesn't mean anything because when the Knicks become a good team, those guys will not be on it. He's R.J. Barrett, let's be honest. Mitchell Robinson might have more of a future than he does. But where are you going with that? That guy can't shoot. He's non-athletic. You're not going anywhere with him as one of your lead dogs in your team. On a good team, he'll be a fourth or fifth player and possibly a bench player. Come on. I think he's better than that. I I think he's a little too uh, inconsistent at this point for my liking, and I would have loved to have seen a little bit more, you know, kind of know what I'm going to get every single night. You have to admit, though, he's come into a very weird situation between last year on a team that had no talent, this year a very you know unusual year. He has to show some growth over the course of this year, but uh, I'm not as down on Barrett as you are. One of his strengths, though, is not athleticism, it's not offense, it's not defense. I mean, he's, he's a role player on a good team. On a team like this, they need him to do more. I, I would feature him and try to get him up to about 19 or 20 points a game, and then you got to trade him. If, somebody, if some foolish team wants to think that he's some building block, I mean, come on, bro. In that draft, you had two players, and then you had a bunch of other guys. He's just a bunch of the other guys. He's not, he's not ever really going to be anything that you could call a foundation piece of your team. I'm not trying to talk bad about him or nothing like that. I'm just being honest, man. Like, your eyes tell you that. He, he's, not, he's not quick. He doesn't no, jump not. high. He's not. He doesn't he shoot. Not, I mean, I mean like he's he a two guard that can't score. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the, uh, the three point shot is not existent for him, and he's no. getting better. But but the deal is with him. And listen, but I tell you, if you get him up to nineteen points a game, I might keep him. <laughs> I mean, he's averaging. He, he's averaging. What is he? Uh, he's averaging seventeen a game this year. I yeah. mean, it's not. I mean, he's not terrible. He's he's a little better, and I understand what Buddha's saying as far as you know the athleticism. He's, he's not, he, he's not, he's not what you, he's not some of the top great guards that have come out of Duke University. Okay, there's he's no question explosive. about that. He's not explosive, but he's still a player that listen. If he's my first guard off the bench, if 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 I'm good enough, okay, where I can move him and he's my first guard off the bench, I'll take him as my first guard off the bench. Yeah, he he's got to get he's got to he's got to improve the three point shot, no question. I mean that that that's the thing that you know really jumps out. I, and just overall, 
um, you know, uh, he, he's got to improve his shot. I mean, there's no, I mean, it, it is a bit disappointing. It is. And for, but for me, Gordon, until he does, give me, give me the guy that can do the law start, which is the 12 to 15 footer. If he could hit the 12 to 15 footer consistently and his ability to go to the basket and he needs to do a better job finishing, I will take that while he works on this three point shooting. Because then that gives me at least something consistent and it gives me at least something where teams can say, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to just defend Julius Randle. I got to kind of move this kid off this spot from 12 to 15 feet. Because eventually, you know, if they don't find another scoring, Julius, arm, Julius Randle's arm's going to fall off. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as I said, he, he always kind of looks like he's a little tired. He has a reason to be tired. He, he is exhausted, that poor guy. <laughs> they are gonna, they're going to ride him all the way to the end of the season, it looks like. That's right. And, the once again, they got. and once again, Buddha, just to be clear, we're not lamenting Thibodeau playing the kids 40 no. minutes. That's good. We're talking about when the veterans come in. What, are they going to be like, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to do this 40. <laughs> I'm not trying to do this 40 minute thing to play these kids. I'll do 25, 30, play the kids. <laughs> That's what we're concerned about in the future. Um, there's a lot of family and personal stuff going on. So just want to leave it at that. That's it. That's why Kyrie Irving had to take some time. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So, Gordon, that was one of the things that uh, Kyrie chatted about uh, in his uh, conversation with the media today. And it was interesting in watching the video. And he just, <sighs> Gordon, and I'm not trying to get into his head. It's just visual, what I'm looking at. Gordon, he, sometimes he had his, head on his on his arms folded his head on the desk he looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders yeah it does not i mean that does not come across as a guy who is excited to be there is it i mean it, it, that looks like my son when he's when seventh period hits you know what i mean like he, that's the way he's sitting when uh, you know he's ready ready for the day to be done he wants to move on to the video games and everything else and uh, he has no interest in whatever seventh period is that day so uh you know look i didn't go into it expecting a lot of answers if you went in expecting a lot of answers you did not get many you know he basically said he was away for personal reasons and i don't know necessarily that he you know i don't know i'm not asking him for an explanation or anything exactly like that. i think the organization deserves one mm -hmm. but for me as an observer or media or fans i don't know that we necessarily deserve answers for that but uh, yeah if you went in looking for answers you did not get any of those, I don't think. Kyrie also weighed in by saying, you know, people just don't know what's going on. Here's what Kyrie had to explain about that. thing that is pretty interesting in watching when you take a break from everything, there's just so many assumptions about what's going on. And so many people feel like they know me best. They have no idea who I am, nor what I'm about, nor what I stand for, or even attempt to take the time, or even for me to invite them to take the time. So it's a two-way street. And when things become overwhelming in life, you know, you just got to take a step back and realize what's important. And I love to play. That's never been questioned. I've committed myself when this wasn't even a thing for me. You know, I didn't really care about media. didn't really care about the fandom. All I cared about was just the ethics of the game and being taught the fundamentals. And now that it's become bigger and it's more of a responsibility that I have in this position I'm in, I'm grateful because I'm able to stand on this platform with others alongside of me that have sacrificed and are going through similar things. So I'm not alone in this. Now, it's been clear that there's been conversation not only in the NBA, but in other sports as well about athletes facing depression and certain things. So Kyrie weighs in on mental health and balancing priorities. That's just a big thing about also mental health, you know, just coming in and being balanced with yourself first and then being able to perform. You know, with everything going on in the world, politically, socially, like I said, it's hard to ignore. I want to make changes daily. You know, there are so many oppressed communities, so many things going on that are bigger than just a ball going in the rim. And so for me, I just, like I said, it's just the balance of it, um, of knowing I can delegate my responsibilities off the court to people that I'm surrounded around that are for the fight and are fighting behind the scenes and in front in the, in the lines. And, you know, like I said, I'm not the only one that's fighting. So I'm grateful to unify with others. And uh, that's all I've tried to do. And on the court, the same way, just play with a smile, leave something that I've uh, felt very dear to my heart with this game. And then 
you know, whatever my legacy is after that as a person, that, that's all I really care about. And so for Kyrie, you know, Gordon, I guess the, the if I were to give him advice, the best thing is, man, you know, try to make a decision. If, if playing basketball allows you to get away from some of those issues, then play basketball. If you feel the need that you want to address those issues, then Gordon, I think uh, as Stephen A. mentioned, maybe he needs to take a pause, take take step away, and uh, you know go ahead and, and and try to deal with those things and come back. But you know it's hard. It seems like it's a battle between the two. He loves both, and he's not real sure which one he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, to me, he has to decide that, right? I think everybody would agree that if, if something is more important to him than basketball, well, then by all means go and do that. I would just say, and I think I've, we've said this since the beginning, it's not so much what he does, it's how he does it. And mm -hmm. I, to me, the biggest problem I had was how he kind of left the team and, and certainly seemed like Steve Nash didn't know what was going on, the organization didn't really know what was going on, and I don't even know really that the organization knows what's going on now with him. Yeah. And, and it makes you wonder if you're, you know, if you're the team, can you rely on this guy moving forward when it seems like he's battling something? And also, you know, he can't really complain that people don't know him when you don't tell them. Right. Like mm -hmm. you don't if you don't want to go into specifics, that's fine. That's your discretion. But then you can't complain that people don't know what you're going through. Absolutely. Back to the phones we go. Chris is in Glen Cove. Hey, Chris, you're next on 98.7. What's going on, uh, Gordon and Larry? Hey, Chris. I see you guys mentioned before about, you know, Larry, I was just like you. I wanted, I wanted George Springer on the Mets real badly. But now that we don't have him, I'm kind of happy that we don't, we, we don't have to worry about giving him this huge contract anymore. And this is why. Because I said, you know, when – the Francisco Lindor trade went down. I said the Mets' top priorities now should not be signing anyone. Shouldn't be Springer. It shouldn't be Bauer. Shouldn't be anyone. It should be it should be extending Francisco Lindor and extending Michael Conforto. And the fact that you know, yeah, I would have loved my I would have loved George Springer on the team. But now we can focus on extending those two guys, and then we can get the cheaper option in Jackie Bradley Jr. to play center field. And if Jackie Bradley Jr. is the worst guy in our lineup. By all means, I'll take that any day of the week as a Mets fan. But well, the owner, the owner has all this money. He <laughs> spends all this money on statues. Yeah, and but he, I mean, of you're going to get LeMayhew and you're going to get uh, Real Muto. What happened? Look, I, I love it. I love that Uncle Steve wants to burn all the money in his in, in his pocket. But it doesn't mean we have to do it all in the first year. Well, look, the, the, the Lindor thing, you're not going to be doing, I don't think, anytime soon. I think that he is, he is a guy who is going for every last dollar that he can get. He has made that clear. He made that clear to Cleveland. So I don't know what the financial situation of baseball is going to look like in a year from now. I don't think anybody does. But he is going – I mean, you're not going to sign him before I think he reaches free agency. Uh, so that, mm. you know, you don't have to worry about that right now. And, you know, Conforto, yeah, I think that they should sign Conforto uh, and get something done with that. I, I, I was just led to believe that this was a new day in baseball. They're shooting the locks off the wallet. Everybody's coming, you know, everybody's coming to the Mets now. And look, Lindor's a fantastic person. Uh, first, I, I don't know how he is as a person. Seems okay. He's a fantastic player. But, you know, I don't know. Just uh, it's a little. If I would have told you when the Steve Cohen thing broke, that you would have Lindor, um, you know, tr uh, Trevor May. Uh, you would assign the kid behind the plate. McCann. Uh, not Real Muto. McCann, mm -hmm. uh, McCann right. Um, uh, what, what was the other move that they made? Did they make another move? I thought they had another move. No, that's really it. Okay. That's about it. And then Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh. Mm -hmm. you know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> That would have been, it would have been okay. Thanks for the call, Chris. It would have been okay. I'm just saying, Gordon, I, I'm, I'm thinking Springer. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Springer. I mean, Jackie Bradley's not bad, but, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted the Lamborghini. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Gotta, Why would you? Know. Yeah, right. It's fantastic. The, yeah, right. If the Lamborghini is, is one of your options, of course you want the Lamborghini. I want the Lamborghini. Right. A Honda's nice, but not when you're going comparing it to a Lamborghini. I wanted, I wanted, you know, I wanted the Lamborghini of center fielders, and for me, right. that was George Springer. You. you know, if I'm getting, listen, no disrespect to Jackie Bradley, you know, 
Range Rover-ish. He's a fan. <laughs> he's a fantastic fielder, and at the plate, yes. he's a fantastic fielder. So you know, I mean, <laughs> exactly. that's what you got going for you. Yeah. So you know, I'm listen. I'm 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 from. I'm tired of the Mets three two. Listen, I, I don't believe in the bullpen, Gordon. I want as many runs as I can get. Okay, I'm still not. I'm still not sold on that bullpen. I'm not sold on Familia. I'm not sold on Diaz. I don't trust them. No. You know they were okay. better last year. Okay, they were better, but I don't trust them a, as far as know, I can yeah, look at them. You can't trust them in a the big, you know, the big spot. You can't trust them now. So I want runs. I want to outscore my opponent. I want to make it so. Listen, if I can win 11 eight, I'm good. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. You know what That's I'm what interested I'm in now is is where does Trevor Bauer wind up? You know, he was a yeah, guy really. who. I think was really looking to cash in and it does, I, look, maybe it's because the Yankees and Mets are not really involved in it that I don't really notice any real buzz there, but it doesn't seem like so uh, he seemed like he wanted to reset the market and top Cole's money. It, it certainly does not. That's not, I think that's completely out of the realm of possibility and anything kind of close to that seems like it's kind of, kind of be out of the realm of possibility too. I agree. Hammer's in the Bronx. Hey hammer. You're next on 98, seven. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's been a long time. Hope all is well. Hope you guys are staying safe. Absolutely, Hammer. Um, with this with this deal that the Blue Jays able to obtain George Springer from from sources of mine, it came to my understanding that the Mets had a came in with an offer of six years, one hundred and twenty mil to one hundred and twenty five. The Blue Jays just took it to the next le- level and got Springer for six years, one fifty. You still have Jack Jackie Bradley Jr. out on the table. You still have uh, Brad Hand as a reliever out on the table. They should pull the trigger on these two guys. I'm definitely going to be covering this tomorrow with my podcast, uh, Hammer's House and Spotlight Sports Network. But it's just like insult to injury with the whole thing with Jared Porter this, this, uh, last night and this morning, and now we get we got robbed pretty much for George Springer. Kind of sucks, but we'll bounce back. All right, Hammer. Thanks for checking in. Listen, um, it would be hard for me to believe, Gordon, that, and I don't know that they didn't, but if it's that little bit, listen to me, because it's, it's, it's Steve Cohen's money, so I can say. Right, you can if say it. Spend it however you want. If, if it's that little bit of money, I can't believe that they didn't come back to the Mets and say, this is what we got. You can either match it or do better. I mean, it's not like it's uh, it's not fifty seventy five million dollars difference, Gordon. Yeah, and if and indeed it's one twenty five to one fifty, you know, you're not going to come back. And, and I'm not saying they didn't, but I would find it hard to believe that they would come back and the Mets would say, uh, "No, that's okay." Yeah, I mean, look, how can he turn six for one fifty down, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah, if that's if that's what's being offered to you, yeah, I think you kind of have to take that. I do. It is kind of interesting to me that maybe he does not, you know, maybe winning is not the most vital thing, and it was more about who's offering the most money. But it is a little surprising that he would look at the Blue Jays and take the six at 150 as opposed to the Mets at, you know, six, say it was 125. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, after the other moves that they've already made and what seems like the excitement surrounding the franchise. Absolutely. Talking about George Springer going to Toronto. Not happy, Gordon. I'll get over it. I will. Well, but, if it's you know. any consolation, I just saw Katie Sharp, who does a great job with all the stats uh, and uh, on Twitter, tweeted out that George Springer's career versus the Yankees, uh, regular season a slash line of 183, 252, 239. So, like, if you had him on the Mets, he might have been a guy that never did well against the Yankees. So maybe that could, you know, comfort you that way, maybe. Well, then you're happy that no, you're happy wherever he is. <laughs> right. Well, I'm a little worried about that Toronto lineup. Uh, I do worry about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that that lineup, if it it's comes growing. together, it's almost like the Rays may have taken a step back, but the Jays might have taken a step forward. Yeah, it's and true. The Yankees aren't moving anywhere. They're sitting on the couch. Yeah. Looking for nickels. Yeah. This is probably as this this might be as uh, docile an off season as the Yankees have had in a while. My hope is is that they will catch 
all types of hell for not doing this and not doing that and not making this move and not making that move. And it seems like every time that people crush Cashman, things work out okay. And then anytime it seems like people are praising him too much, that's when it falls apart. So that's what I'm, I'm kind of hoping. It, I'm putting it out into the universe that way. Charlie's in Woodside. Hey, Charlie, you're next on 98.7. Hey, 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 Larry and Gordon. How you doing? What's going on? I'm doing fine. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll say I got two things, but one, one first on the serious note uh, about this Jared Porter stuff. Um, doesn't matter. It's not a Mets issue. It's not a team issue. If it happens to the Yankees, I'll react to the Yankees or, I don't know, let's say Cowboys, Dodgers. I'll react to the same way. It's a, it's as a whole. It's a societal issue in a world in the world that the women should not be treated like this and should be worked comfortably and equally, fairly at every job. And to I ask I advice to all all you know men or women like you know to like you know um, say that as a, for me for like for me as well. It's always, it's always, you have to learn how to let go. Like, you know, if it's like something like, you know, oh, instead of like, you know, this guy texts to like, what, 62, like, text messages and whatnot, explicit stuff. You had a, he has an option. He had a choice. And he took, took, took the awful route. Instead, he had the choice of, you know, back down and let, let it go. I think that's the important part. You have to learn how to let it go. And secondly, on now, the. Because uh, he got let go. And obviously, he didn't learn learn his lesson by, or didn't know, didn't know how to let let it go. So, but on the Kyrie Irving stuff, uh, I mean Irving, uh, gotta say, when Stephen A. said last week, I think he do do needs to retire, or whatever. He needs help. Uh, he's an awful dude. I don't care what kind of perf- talent he has as an NBA player. You making? I said it last week. Uh, making thirty million dollars a year playing professional as a professional athlete playing basketball you have the obligation and right now this dude is not doing any obligation that interview uh on the was that was an address he's addressing he was addressing the media mm-hmm. uh um uh, that was awful that he didn't give you anything he didn't give a damn about anything he didn't he showed no remorse show show no remorse uh no respect he is so awful. Um, no professionalism. Uh, he has lost all the, all the legitimacy, everything, and just everything. I just can't stand it. I don't like him no more. Uh, ever since you know the Boston, he went to Boston. Now come to here. We listened about this nonsense every single day. It's awful, garbage. Uh, he either gets help because. We have no idea what what he's talking, what is allowed. He didn't do anything. And you know what, Charlie? I, I think, and thanks for the phone call. What you said is true, uh, Gordon. He needs help. There's somebody that he, uh, hopefully, there's somebody, family member, or somebody close to the family that he can talk to, because you could just once again just the op the, the op watching the optical, okay. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. There's somebody that he hopefully would be able to speak to, to to share what's what he's going through or whatnot. And usually, and this is what is so interesting, Gordon. Usually, players find their, you know, their their getaway on on the field or on the court, whatever sport they're playing. That's their getaway. That's how they get away with stuff they're dealing with off the court. That's how they get away with 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 personal issues by by really delving in and going all out in whatever sport they play. He's a person that it affects him so much that he can't do that. And it's weird. And I don't know as we're not used to seeing that as sports fans, Gordon, we're used to seeing guys go out there and just let me do, let me get on between the white lines. That's what the baseball players always say. That's, that's my, that's why I go to just relax. That's why I could just go play the game. That's why I get away from all this other stuff. And he's just not that type person. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why anybody would be surprised that he did not 
really provide any answers today. And I said this at the time without knowing what he's going through, right? Like I don't, I don't want to criticize him without knowing, but it didn't seem like he felt like anybody deserved a, a reason for why he left. He didn't, it, he certainly didn't seem like he provided one to the organization. So I don't know why as a fan, you would think that he was going to all of a sudden tell you what, what he's going through. So I was not really surprised by that. Uh, the only thing that I will say is in terms of the basketball situation, he can kind of do whatever he wants as long as it works, right? There was mm-hmm. a book out uh, a couple of years ago where the title was The Only Rule Is It Has to Work. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If he comes back and he plays and the Nets uh, reach the ceiling that they are expected to reach, all this will be water under the bridge. It's true. People won't even be, won't even be talking about it. you remember It'll when Kyrie didn't play? Yeah. yeah, you know what? Hey, it turned out to be a good thing. Uh, that, you know, <laughs> oh, Kyrie doing his crazy stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah no, that's what they'll, they'll say. We'll be spinning it. Going, well, you know what? It, it gave it gave uh, Harden and, and uh, Durant time to get back together from <laughs> right. where they were in OKC without worrying right. about bringing the third person in. Yeah. Hey, it turned we'll, out to be a great thing. Right. We'll write the narrative based on the results and then pretend that the results are not why we're basing it that way. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. Joins us next on 98.7. Hey, Trey. Well, fellas, I was I was just about to hang up because I really don't want to talk tonight, and I don't feel like I should be obligated to speak to anybody. And <laughs> I'm gonna call my boss in the morning, tell him I'm not coming to work, and you know he can do this, the ribs and the brisket and pull pork. He can do it himself, man. I'm just not up to it. But I thought you were the boss. Uh, I, I, exactly, <laughs> are you, Larry. I are mean, you what talking are we to yourself about here? <laughs> you talking this to yourself? This is now? ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't listen to Kyrie Irving as a barometer of life. You have bills and responsibilities. This man is a millionaire. I don't give a damn if he bought George Floyd's family a house. That's nice. That is a nice thing to do in a very tragic situation. But please, nobody out there believe that this is why he left. Oh, God. man, please. Man, please. I'm telling you, Larry, for part for everybody that calls your show, I'm pretty sure they're hardworking people. You are a hardworking person. Gee, you're a hardworking person. I've met these people. This is ridiculous. I can't, I can't even put the words together that this man sits here talking about you don't even understand. What do we understand, Kyrie? You're paid to play basketball. Larry, would you like to pay, get paid $30 million to play basketball? Uh, yeah. I yeah, would. I would too. Gee, you up for $30 yep. million playing little basketball? I, you get me a lot cheaper than that. <laughs> That, you, you know what I'm saying? You get yeah. me for 7500 Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is ridiculous, man. And it's disrespectful. To, not, not this year because there's no fans in the stands, and I understand that. But to the people that buy your jersey, to the people that buy your garbage sneakers, and they're not really garbage. I'm just, I'm just hate because I'm mad. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. Give the money back. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of what Stephen A. said. Just walk away. Give the money back and walk away. You're not built for this. You know what I'm saying? People are burying family members, man, on a daily, on a daily out here. People are dying in the street from this COVID stuff. And you and we're worried about Kyrie Irving and his feelings. I, I understand mental health, Larry. I get it. I'm not trying to poo-poo that. But what I'm saying is, dog, grab them Timberland laces. Let's be big boys. You actually have a father. Some people out here don't even have a father that they can connect with. You have a father that's a great man. Kyrie, this is ridiculous. You need to check yourself, dude, because you're wasting a great career. Now, maybe you don't care about that, and that's fine, too. Maybe you don't give a damn that you're great on the basketball floor. Maybe you have something bigger to offer people. Give the money back to the net. And let's see what you're talking about. You need to get a job at the Circle K. You need to get a job at one of them gas stations on the interstate. And you really need to get your feet into the soil of what it means to pay a bill. So what it, to know what it's like when you ain't got it. To know what it's like to have to put ramen in front of your kids. To know what it's like to have to, to, for you to have to go without for your kids to eat. See, he's been pampered for a very long time, Larry, and it's time. It's time that somebody pulls this kid aside and he needs to be checked. Now, whoever that is in his life, his mentor, his father, a life coach, I do not care. But I promise you, Larry, this is the last time that I am going to waste my little bit of time talking about Kyrie Irving because he's not worth it. 
It's a waste of time. I'm not going to disparage him and call him names. It's just not worth it. I want to talk about him on the basketball floor. I want to talk about that the Nets are ready to win right now. So, Nets fans, I feel bad because those other dudes, they're ready to ball. The bench is light, and they, they're going to have a problem in the playoffs. But the bench, but, but, the, but, the, but the team is a solid team. Harden is ready to play, still a little pudgy. He'll be fine. But, but we're talking about this dude and his feelings, and he's laying on his arm. And this, man, Larry, I'm done. This is the last day. This is the last day. I'm such a parent that I want to talk to him myself. Like, mm. you're ridiculous. This is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting over here sweating. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this is sad that we have to talk about this man's feelings, and we have to massage his feelings. You just don't understand. He can come tomorrow to my job, and he can do my job, and I'll do his. And let's see, let's see who will tap out by 3 o'clock. He's ridiculous. I don't want to do this no more. Uh, Larry, uh, I'm not calling tomorrow, Larry. I don't feel up to it. Give me a break, man. <laughs> Give me a break. Pull your Timberland straps and be a man. Because men get up and go to work. That's what. That's all the men I know. They get up and go to work every day. And they don't pout and cry and hold press conferences. They pay their bills on time. You know what I'm saying? And, they, and, and, and none of them have a basketball to do it. They're out there driving buses. They're out there pushing trains. They're out there uh, helping sick people like my man Mark in Newark. This dude got to get it together, man. And I'm not doing this no more, Larry G. Y'all have a good night, man, because I don't want to do this no more. This is ridiculous. I want to talk sports. I don't want to talk about nobody's feelings. Okay, right. Trey. Thank you. Well, there you go. Wow. He was fired up. Yeah, he, he, if he could give some of that fire to Kyrie, maybe he could sit up straight while he's talking to uh, on the Zoom, you know? Wow, Trey was I will annoying. say this, the, 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 the optic of him, and I'm not a big uh, believer in optics, but mm-hmm. you know, for him to finally sh- come back and, and try to provide, I, I don't know what, reason, answer, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, insight, and he's sitting there with his arms folded and his head up against the camera, basically, and he's scratching his head. I mean, I he made really it clear. I don't really want to be here. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> more so than the comment about uh, that the media are just pawns, he made mm-hmm. it clear what he thinks of uh, the media. But look, you know what? He is a star. And there is a such thing as a, a star treatment. And he is going to get treated like a star. So, mm-hmm. again, as long as it works... He will keep getting treated like a star. Now, once he is not playing like a star or if the Nets all of a sudden start floundering, well, then things might change. But it's clear that the Nets don't really have a major problem with what he did. Apparently not. Apparently not. And uh, we'll see how that's handled going forward. Now, according to some of the stories, he spoke individually to his team, you know, told them what was going on, so on and so forth. So, you know, we'll see what happens because ultimately – Gordon, that's who he has to answer to, are his teammates in in that locker room because they are the folks who are depending on him, and he depends on them. And you know this that that's that's where it has to be okay as far as his work thing. You know, as, you know, as, as much as we love and respect the fans, Gordon, it's not about the fans. No, and it's not about the media. It's about no. what happens in that locker room with that team and the coaching staff. And as long as they accept him back and he's okay and he does what they need him to do. Um, you know, he's he I will agree with him on that one point. We'll see what happens on the court. He'll do his talking on the court. And that's where we'll figure out what's going on. Simple yeah, as that. Uh, unless he, he does this again, which I don't think that you could necessarily rule out. There's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe there's a line on FanDuel uh, promo code. Gordon. Oh, trust me, if there was, Larry, I would be all over. I'd be all over that already. Promo code Gordon. This is ESPN New York tonight.